Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Pastoral Thoughts Podcast. This is your host, Jack Young, and in studio today is Dr. Ken Shaver, and uh, I am honored that he would be with us on the podcast, and I'll be a blessing to you. And um, Brother Shaver is in preaching our missions conference yesterday, Sunday. Uh, Brother Shaver was preaching along with uh, Dr. Chuck Harding, and uh, those guys did a great job. So thanks for being here, Brother Shaver. Oh, thank you for having me in. This is a blessing. I love you. I love your family. Excited to see what God's doing at your church. Yes, yes. Well, Brother Shaver and I, we go back quite a ways. And uh, the Shaver family is Julie and I's top favorite family out there. I mean, we besides our own family, we do count them as family. And um, see, Brother Shaver, we, we've been... Uh, yeah, we, we've been... Uh, to Canada fishing together. We have. We've been to Mexico fishing together. We have. We've been to Grenada on a missions trip. We have. And uh, Which we, was crazy. We've been to some conferences together. Yeah, we sure have. And um, I came to your graduation from college. That You did. I did. Yes, you did. That's right. Yeah. And uh, I had two graduations That's from right. college thinking, Heartland, no, over at Crown. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was a great day. Absolutely. And so Brother Shaver and I first were introduced to each other down in Oklahoma City, and he came into town working for the FAA uh, and uh, went to the Windsor Hills Baptist Church first Sunday up there in choir. And I am not making this up. We looked up there from the teen section and saw this guy with a huge smile on his face the whole time he was singing. And I said, who is this guy smiling up there? And uh, it wasn't a, you know... You were the only one that I think ever smiled on that platform. <laughs> and uh, you just had this beaming smile on there, and you still got the smile. So yeah. I'm glad you haven't given that up. That's funny. I had someone ask me there about that time. They said, uh, let's see how long that lasts. <laughs> so, you know, that was uh, almost yeah. 30 years ago, so it's still yeah. Hey, praise the Lord. Yeah. Praise the Lord. That is good. Uh, so today we were going to talk about, try to be uh, somewhat practical. We won't just reminisce like a couple of old buddies, <laughs> but, uh, but we we're going to talk about church planting and uh, your experience and uh, planting a church, successfully planting a church, uh, and then also taking over a church, which you've done uh, both of those things. But uh, tell us a little bit about your background for the folks listening. Uh, tell us about your experience with uh, the military, the Army, and then also in air traffic controlling, and uh, your experience as a layman serving in a local church, and then how God worked in your heart uh, to, to get you to go and uh, start the Greater Cumberland Baptist Church. And that's something. I, uh, I was saved at 10. I joined the Army out of high school, 18. I basically had three jobs in my life. Uh, in the Army, I went to flight school, and I flew helicopters in the Army. I was a warrant officer, best job in the Army. I started out, I'm old enough, I started flying Hueys, but then we transitioned to the Blackhawks, which was, you know, Blackhawks 45 years old. It's still like the best aircraft out there. I just mm -hmm. love it. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, the Lord really used that in my life in a lot of areas. Uh, met my wife, got married. She gave me four wonderful children. And then in uh, 1989, I joined the FAA as an air traffic controller. Oh, that was a tough job. Mm -hmm. it was a mm -hmm. The school was tough. We lost a lot of people at the school, but mm -hmm. I loved what I did. You know, it's short-term stress. You just focus, and I think I've got ADHD, so that helped and me. And you were fine. It was, yeah. yeah. That's right. Focus. The world's coming to an end. Focus for and 20 you, minutes. And, and you uh, brought that into the pastorate? I did. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> brought right. that skill set? Yeah. So then... 
1995, God moved me and my family to Oklahoma. You know, my wife and I were always active in church, always active in church. I led singing from the time I was 21 years old. Uh, churches from 50 to 2,000, you know, and um, the Lord used that. We were active. I was a deacon. Pretty much every church I'd ever been in, I was a deacon. Uh, and um, I got to meet some phenomenal people. I got to be under a lot of phenomenal pastors. And so then in 1995, he moved us to Oklahoma, uh, Windsor Hills Baptist Church, Dr. Jim Vineyard. And um, it was a blessing. God called both my boys to preach there. Amen. And God called me to preach there. I was 41 years old. Mm-hmm. God called me to preach. At the time, I'd went, gone down there as an instructor, and then they moved me over to the international office, and I uh, was the uh, air traffic training manager internationally. And so I traveled a lot. I spent. I lived in Morocco for four months, uh, Bahamas. Uh, it was just amazing. Mm-hmm. And I thought God was doing that because he wanted me to be a missionary. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, well, this is great. This is super. But when God called me to preach, I prayed for six months. And I knew that burden was on my heart and I couldn't get rid of it. But he, I felt so strongly he was leading me to Fort Campbell, Kentucky, yeah. where I had flown helicopters. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I raised support. That was a miracle in itself. In uh, uh, three and a half months, I raised about $3,500 in support. Most of the pastors took us on over the phone. Mm-hmm. And then so I quit my job and we moved to... Um, Kentucky. And I didn't know anybody. I'd never pastored, never been on staff at a church, didn't go to Bible college, but I knew God had called me. I knew it. And so I read everything I could. I talked to all the pastors that I could. And, you know, I'm a pretty relational guy. Mm -hmm. I love people and I love talking to people and I love talking about the Lord and the Lord used that. Yeah. And so my wife and my four teenagers and I moved to Hopkinsville, Kentucky, didn't know one person there. And we just started knocking on doors, and uh, uh, we knocked on 6,000 doors. I wore out a pair of shoes, literally. Wore right, out a pair of shoes. Right. And just said, hey, if you don't have a church, come visit us. Um, were you the one that referred Mike Munchler's book yeah. to me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought so, because I read that when I first went to First Baptist Black River, and yeah. his, his formula was that you personally knock 100 doors a day. Yeah. Jerry Falwell did the same thing. Yeah, he did. He did that for years. Even after he had full-time staff, he would still knock 100 doors a day. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, you know, our society has changed a little bit. Right. And I will meet as many people in a restaurant or in a coffee shop or out shopping as I will out door knocking. Right. And, and I, I've had older pastors tell me too, and I, we, we do door knocking. So I'm yeah, not, we do too. I'm not knocking door knocking. Sure. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> but, right. um, but yeah, I haven't even had older pastors tell me like when I first started, you know, in the, in the late seventies or eighties, you knock on the door, you get invited inside. I would. You, that's super, super rare yep. nowadays. It is. Yes. Yeah. You'll get as many doors slamming your face. Yes. <laughs> yes, you right. will. But I still, even now, you know, you're 20 some years later, you know, I've been out door knocking just recently, had some folks come to church, but mm-hmm. then the other times I'll meet people in a restaurant. Right. I've got two families in the church I met in a restaurant and yeah. you know, just amazing. Yeah. But, um, so then the, the interesting thing for me was God miraculously provided us a building, which was huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a former dance studio. They mm-hmm. had just, just closed the doors the week that I got there. This church is still in that yeah, today. Church is still in that building. They've added on a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, but it's still in that building. Mm-hmm. Twenty years now. Amen. 
in same location, which is phenomenal. We get a lot of drive-in. Sure. People just stopping by because they see the building. Now you're a staple of the neighborhood. Yeah, there. yeah, that's yeah. the truth. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So we had 50 our first Sunday. Yeah. And that was amazing because I believe the Lord did this. It was one of those for such a time as this moments. Right. It was the week of 9-11. Mm-hmm. 9-11 happened on Tuesday. I can tell you what house I was at door knocking. Yeah. Happened on a Tuesday, and then five days later, we started our church. That is incredible. Was, you know, all that time, I thought the Lord was preparing me for missions, but he was preparing me for 9-11. In any, in any time with the U.S. military, um, and, of course, it was happening all over America, but particularly with the military, because they were going into combat, um, that they really start getting God-minded. We, we, it was the same thing uh, when I was pastoring at Fort Drum, um, that Obama's surge— the uh, 10th Mountain Division was going over there. They're taking over for the 101st, and a lot of those guys knew that uh, uh, they they might not be coming back or they're going right. to be coming back um, injured or wounded. Right. And the church filled up during yes. that time period. We had our biggest crowds ever during that time period yep. and some of the lowest offerings too. But uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, look at the offering count. Like, Come on, the church was packed on yeah, Right, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you had a bunch of, you know... Um, Non-affiliate, you had, you had a great uh, opportunity for the gospel to go forward. It was. Um, it was. It, yes. And so your church filled up, uh, and it was, weren't you running at like 150 after we, about a year or something? We were like running that? 120 in three months. Yeah. It was just amazing. But, uh-huh. you know, uh, the soldiers are all getting ready to be deployed. Right. right. And I, I had been in the military for 14 years, mm-hmm. so I had a relationship with them. And it got to the point uh, that... Uh, soldiers would get transferred to Fort Campbell and they would drop their families off at the church without having met me mm-hmm. because of the reputation of our church working with the families. Take care of them. They, did. they did. And that yeah. was very important to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and, um, and you have, have you wrote your book yet on pastoring a military church? <laughs> no, but I could write it on what not to do. Okay. I've got a lot of chapters in that. Well, book. <laughs> um, when I what was 2000 in, um, 2008, when I went to take First Baptist Church of Black River right outside the gates of Fort Drum. And uh, I, I called you a ton of times, uh, scores and scores of times, just asking you. And I, I really just uh, copied my friend Ken Shaver. <laughs> On I, what I, not I, to do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And so I was trying to uh, do the opposite of whatever you were doing, and it really worked out for us. So that was good. And and uh, I remember one of the – it was uh, – uh, Chinook, not Ka- what's the two? Chinook. Chinook, okay. So Chinook pilot, I remember him saying to me, because uh, he came and we were growing and growing and growing. And again, that was during the surge. And I knew, because um, you know that it's not like real growth. Sure, yeah, yeah. It's, in a sense, the it, it's real. They're real deep. people. But yeah, there's yeah, it's a mile wide and an inch deep. Right. <laughs> and right. so, um, yeah, he said, uh, he said, man, you need to write a book about how to pastor a military church. And I said, no, I have no idea. <laughs> Anything right. that went in that book, I'd be making it up. That's, That's for right. sure. You know, for me, there were a couple of foundational things. Uh, my kids were all teenagers, and that mm-hmm. was huge. Mm-hmm. And my kids actually, each one of my four children had a visitor that first Sunday. Wow. So this was as much, they yeah. were as much a part of it as anything. So, and so I was very grateful for so that. So God used that tremendously in your children's life. Oh, big time. And they're all in and the ministry today. Yes. And so they, they just um, got a got the got bit by the bug, so to speak. So they they're did. teenagers and, and a lot of guys would be hesitant. Well, I don't want to I'm gonna wait till the kids get out of the house oh. or whatever. But they got to experience that with you together. 
And, um, you know, you had you and your wife had a positive attitude towards it the whole time. We loved what we did. Right. And I remember, too, that um, we were talking, if you go back, uh, if you're listening, go back to the podcast that Brother Shaver did about family devotions. And I think we talk about this. Yes. Is that um, you and asked your children, uh, said, has, has it been hard to change? And, and they said, you know, Dad, nothing's really changed. Yeah. So nothing really changed about yeah. uh, your household or you know, your family routines. And this was uh, particular in uh, your family's devotional life. You had, you know, we were talking about family devotions last time. You had family devotions before you ever went in the pastorate. Sure. It wasn't like, well, now I'm a pastor. I got to be spiritual. Right. So let's have family devotions. Uh, it's, no, yeah. it's just a continuation, right. uh, just a different calling. Right. That's from right. the FAA to the pastorate. Right. So, you know, for me, the big thing was the work hours. Yeah. You know, the FAA is eight hours a day. And in the ministry, I'm working a hundred hours a week, 80 to a hundred hours a week, every week. No, you just work on Sundays. Yeah, those. that's right. Yeah. 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 I could find a clip out of, let me ask sermon. you this. Yeah. Let me ask you this. So if uh, people ask you, well, she, you have another job or I'm sure people still ask you that even though you got a big church. and everything. <laughs> I went golfing <laughs> one time and the guy at the golf course said, and I hadn't been that whole year. I'd been so busy. Yeah. And he said, man, I haven't seen you at all. I said, man, I've been swamped. He said, <laughs> I thought you were a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so what, what do you what do you tell people if they say, well, well, what does a pastor do? Like, what do you do during the week? And they're honest. I don't think they're trying to like. Uh, sure. You know, they're actually curious. What, yeah. what What do you tell somebody? So I I can break it down pretty simply. Yeah. You know, there are three phases: I, administrative oversight. Mm -hmm. You know, the church finances, um, uh, the building, taking care of the building, things like that. I have a lot of help. Mm -hmm. I get a lot of wonderful people at the church who help us. Uh, but starting out, it was all cutting the grass, taking the offering, running the errands. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was me. Mm -hmm. uh, then um, the um, pastoral side of the ministry, which is the soul winning and outreach, the counseling, meeting with people. You know, I'm, I meet with people. I'm a people person, and I try to take advantage of that. I feel like that's my strength. Mm -hmm. So I'll take advantage of that and meet with people. And that, so th those two sides. And then the pulpit side of the ministry, studying. You know, I didn't go to Bible college. Yeah. And so I, um, I have since, you know, almost done my master's. But right. I, um, I, uh, at that time I hadn't. So I'm just having to, I'm behind the power curve. So I'm having to catch up. So I'm reading and reading. I love to read. That saved my life. But I have to study a lot. Let me ask you this question about that studying. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you started the church at 41 years old. Yeah. And so you have your plate full. You have yeah. a bigger church, a bigger church than a lot of pastors out there. Uh, but yet you um, continued in your education and you've got a Bible college degree. And so for the folks listening, uh, so to be an air traffic controller, uh, you can't be an idiot. No. You no. got to be pretty smart. Right. And you have to have a high IQ because you have to um, be able to, to figure out situations really quick. At least the people who are flying hope you can figure out situations. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, and, uh, and then you were, you know, a pilot and the whole nine yards. So you're, you're, you're no fool. Right. Uh, but yet you felt that you needed to get a formal education. Right. There's yeah. a lot of guys listening out here. And I, I think it's in a, almost in a spirit of pride. And I see that a lot in our circles that they don't think that they need no education. <laughs> Is there anything you can speak to that? So I, I want to be a student until I die. Mm -hmm. uh, I do. I well, and you're an avid reader. Yes, I am. Oh, I am. And um, so one you, year, you're a student of good men. I mean, there's I a lot of mentors that you have out there that you have learned from, and you, you get to be exposed to as well. So why would you do formal education? So I, um, I, you know, it's structured for me. 
Uh, one pastor said like this. He said, you know, the, the Bible college he went to, he said, they told him, we're going to teach you how to hoe your own row. Mm-hmm. And I want those tools. Yes. I'm constantly looking mm-hmm. to improve those tools. And, and this is, I, I don't want this to sound humanistic. I always want to improve my craft, mm-hmm. whether it's my preaching or whether it's my counseling. You know, I don't have a counseling ministry, but I'm always dealing with people, helping them solve problems. Uh, so I want to be better at mm-hmm. my studying. I want to be better. So I want to learn how to study. I want to learn more about the scripture. And then I want to learn how to be a better administrator. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of pastors, we lack in those areas and I'm always looking to get better. And I have a lot, you know, I, I started from behind and so I have a lot of room for improvement. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Continuing education. Right. That's it. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, so going back to the church plan here and, um, what are the, what are some things and some advice? So, if, so if I'm a young man and uh, I want to go out there and start a church, what are the, some of the things that you would tell me to do? I would tell you a couple of things. One, one is number one thing: make sure your relationship with the Lord is right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do so many things in the Lord's work in the flesh, mm-hmm. and so we are dependent upon our flesh, and then that's the results that you get. Right. If if it's not a work of the spirit, then it won't be a spiritual work. So to the flesh, you'll have the flesh it, reap corruption. And that, that's what ends up so happening. So you fail miserably or you'll succeed In even more miserably. Yes, yeah. you will. Yeah. And that's not what I believe the Lord would have us. Right. You know, I, I believe God wanted us to build something that was bigger than me. Mm-hmm. And um, so staying close to the Lord is very big. Family devotions we talked about, mm-hmm. but my personal time with the Lord, even now, uh, on a regular basis, I'll sneak away for a day and just have me and the Lord. Yes, time, amen. You know I mean? Amen. So um, that's number one. Right. Uh, number two is visit, 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 visit. Always looking to make contacts. That personal oh, contact can't always. be replaced. No, no way. I was, you know, in outside a military base, nobody's from there. And I know from my years in the military, everybody loves talking about home. Mm-hmm. So my number one question, where you, you ask anybody. That's right. You know, don't you? I've been hanging out with you. That's right. That's my number where one question. Where So where are you from? <laughs> <laughs> and that's interesting, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but at the new church where I am, everybody's from there. I'm the outsider. Yeah. But that still opens doors. Right. You know, and so uh, I... You know, I'm always looking for ways to connect to people. And the, there's so many different ways. It's, what are some of the ways you contact your folks? Yes, that's right. So I'll call them. Mm-hmm. I'll visit them. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll go out to eat together. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll text them, just see how they're doing. One pastor said this, and I asked him, I said, how do you prioritize your visiting? And he said this. He said, you know, if you go into somebody's house, there's pictures on the wall. Those pictures represent the, the important events in their lives. Like I'm seeing your mm-hmm. uh, degree from Crown for your master's. Mm-hmm. And he said, you want to be in those pictures. Okay. So that's I, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. It was very really practical fun. and it's helped me a lot. Yeah. You know, so I try to be in those important events. I've heard Dave Kibbs lives. say this. He said, um, you know, we live in a high tech age, but you can't replace high touch. That's good. I never heard that phrase. And so a lot of times we think that, you know, because of social media and you can reach out or because you're you're producing videos and people are watching sure. that you're in contact people with people, but you're not. Right. You're right. really not building people. No. And, uh, you know, my dad says uh, a shepherd should smell like sheep. That's right. You know, I believe that. In and amongst the people. And we see that's with the Lord, you know, James and John. Uh, you know, where do you stay? Come see the place for the Lord. <laughs> you know, I'm preaching on that tonight, actually. Oh, really? Yes, I am. 
That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, the Great Commission. Yeah. So um, it's interesting. The last two houses I've owned have been open concept houses uh-huh. for that reason. Yeah. Because we want to have people in our home. We want to draw them close. Christ drew the 12 to him. Yeah. Uh, Paul brought Timothy very close to him. Yeah. And so that's what I have tried yeah. to do. Our uh, our friend, uh, Paul Chappell, every Sunday night has people over to his house. Yeah. And you can read about that in Order in the Church and yeah. uh, a few other books, um, his methodology in that. Now, sure. he runs like 5,000 people. Right. And you think, well, if you're that big, you wouldn't need to have people to your house. But he does, and it's on a rotating basis. And then he'll have uh, new people, new members with older, sounder members and try to, you know, integrate them together. And I've known people who have been invited to his house, you know, on a Sunday night and they, um, so even in a, you never outgrow the need for that personal contact. And then, you know, the bigger the church, the, you, the, the challenge it is to make it smaller. Right. Sure. How are you going to make it feel smaller? Sure. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And so, um, so Robin and I, you know, it was important to us to, connect with the people continually, mm-hmm. whether they're new converts or more mature Christians, we're always looking to connect. And so, the Lord used that. So walking with the Lord. Yep. High contact with high, people. High t- contact with a lot of people. And, you know, I always was trying, and uh, evangelist Jim Brown, he's in heaven, but he was a great influence mm-hmm. in my life. Matter of fact, your dad put me in contact with him. Yeah. I, and uh, um, uh, our old pastor and your dad both said he's the smartest man that they knew. And so I, I would take advantage of that. Oh, I'd yeah. sit down with him, get a piece of paper, and fill up notebooks with notes from him. But, you know, he... And said, he, he could take a church and triple the size of it, and then he'd get tired of pastoring in about three <laughs> years, and then he'd end up on the road again. Brother Shaver, things have changed a lot since the last time I pastored. I didn't realize how much they've changed. Yeah, 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 I hear that. Yeah, yeah he was singing on the road again about yeah. every three years. <laughs> but he said, you always have to be planning a vision. You, he said, you really need to be three years ahead. Mm-hmm. in your vision, uh, talking to the people, you know, yeah. whether it's a Christian school or a, you know, we started a music academy at our other church or different ministries, bus ministry, mm-hmm. you know, and you, so the interesting thing for me is uh, starting the church is I was the senior member, right? you, you know, and um, Brother Willette had said, when you take a church, you're running up a flag identifying who you are mm-hmm. and that attracts people. Right. But not everybody's attracted to that flag. Sure. And it was that way for me starting a church. Right. You know, this is who I am. Yeah. And and we'd love for you to come, but this is who I am. Yeah. And this is who we are as a church, Mm -hmm. you know, and I had a lot of input from a lot of people, you know, making sure we were being very foundational. Yeah. And I I always thought... um you know, we wanted all of our literature to be first class, and all yours was as well. Wanted to have a first class website. Um, wanted to, you know, we did mail outs, we did um, you know, all sorts of door knocking, canvassing events, and everything. But when it came right down to who we were. I'd be pretty brutally honest and kind with people. I said, we're just, we're a simple Bible preaching and teaching church. Right. And we love the Lord and love each other. Um, you know, I, there's no, shouldn't be any such thing as bait and switch. Like they no. think they're going to a, uh, you know, a big entertainment center. Oh. And, um, sure. no, no, you know, we're, the you know, church as it once was, is our, our motto, you know, it's simple Bible preaching and teaching church. That's, That's what good. we are. And we'd love to have you come. So, so one of the uh, objectives that I state is, you know, our view of God impacts what we do mm-hmm. and we take a high view of God and that impacts everything. Mm-hmm. My preaching, our music, mm-hmm. the way we present ourselves, you mm-hmm. know, the first class, even the the way we paint and decorate our building. 
Right. You know, I don't want to be second class in anything. And what you're doing is you're showing people that you're serious about what uh, you do. Sure. Like we're in the town of Webster. There's a little over 40,000 people here in Webster. And there's a lot of uh, first class people. Uh, And so if you have a doctor or a lawyer, we have a couple of lawyers in our church and some nurses and other professional people, they hold themselves to a certain standard. Uh, And so if they walk into your church unconsciously, they're going to hold you to the same standard they hold themselves by. Yes. So um, the church being a mess or not, you know, um, you know, the Christmas decorations are still up in July or whatever, uh, you know, they're going to think bulbs out. Yes. They're going to think these people are not serious about, uh, what they do here. Yeah. So there is that, that message of just about having as good as you can do. Sure. Uh, with inside the means that God has given you, you know, your, what you have. Your dad taught me that when we built a building, uh, you know, we had talked about we rented a dance studio and we added on to that. We were just getting so full. And your dad said one of the things he did was he hired an interior designer to come in and help right. him with colors. And I did that. Right. And, yeah, and I followed my dad's advice on that, too. And we did yeah. that. It was wonderful. Yeah. We, we've done that here yeah. to, as well. Yep. Yeah. You can tell, and, and people come in, and they look around, and they think, I had one guy, it, it was hilarious, he came in and visited our church, he goes, now you're an independent Baptist church? I said, yes, we are. He goes, now you know what that means? I said, well, yeah, 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 I do. And he said, so you're an independent Baptist church? I said, yes, we are. He said, you're not part of an association or cooperation or anything? I said, I, no, we're independent. I said, I don't understand that. Why are you asking that? He goes, everything looks so nice here. <laughs> yeah, you're going there, yeah. Yeah, what, yeah. What are you liberal or something? You've gone, yeah, yeah. The furniture matches and the colors look nice, and yeah, everything is fresh. And yes, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's uh, a true. So first, yeah. yeah, first class building, and yeah. yeah. So you know, the hard thing for us when we started the church was, you know, we weren't able to offer everything you would think an established church could have. Children's ministries were limited. Outreach ministries were limited. Yeah, music ministries were limited. Yeah. And and that was hard, yeah. You know, and but, and, and I, you know, and I think particularly in the, in the South too, where if you're in an area where there's a bunch of Baptist churches, and, uh, one of them's got uh, a softball league, a nice yep. gym, uh, yep. daycare, and um, all these other amenities, cradle to the grave uh, benefits, yep. and um, and you're you're new in town and. And you hope your nursery worker shows up. You hope your <laughs> piano player is there. You, you know, I will I will say this, and I don't have it all figured out. Mm-hmm. I still don't, and I've been doing it 20 years now. But um, when we started, I wanted the folks to know who we were. So I asked my wife, I love my wife so much, so grateful, been married 40 years. But I asked my wife, I said, would you be willing to work in the nursery every service while I'm teaching the people who we are before we start using them in ministries? And she did. And so for three months, she was in there every service. Yeah. And while I'm just, yeah. you know, teaching the people, hey, this is who we are. We're Baptist. This is what we believe. This is what you can expect from us. And then we were able to finally start Sunday school and start yeah. using different people. But I wanted them to be established about who we were before we started using them. My wife doesn't like to hear me preach either. So <laughs> <laughs> I get this yeah, at no, home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when we were in Black River, when I went there, uh, there was two voting members when I went there, Hillary and Brandy, and one of them was just home for the summer. She was going back to uh, Bible college in the fall, and I joke with her, she split our church and took 50% 50 of the membership with her when she left. Uh, But yeah, there'd be Sunday mornings. I remember one Sunday morning, uh, Julie was in the nursery with our daughter, Adriana, and uh, Brandy was playing the piano player. I was leading the music, and Hillary was singing. That was was my... um, 
you know, like first Sunday taking over that church. And uh, oh. we took up the offering, went down, grabbed the offering plate, stuck in front of Hillary and looked and saw what she gave, you know. <laughs> it was funny to put it back on the table. And uh, and so that, hey, that that's a, yeah, exactly. We need more than that. Um, yeah. And I mean, that's that's part of the the, the church plant experience. Exciting right. stuff. Right. It yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Now, the other thing that was interesting when we started is I raised support. Mm-hmm. Uh, some pastors are bivocational. Right. Uh, and I really thought I was going to get transferred. I could have gotten transferred to Nashville with the FAA. I'd have been making hundred grand a year getting yeah. transferred, which was a pay cut. Yeah. But it's still obviously good money with yeah. it. And so um, I went to my pastor and told him, he said, you don't want to be a part-time pastor. Yeah. He said, you need to raise support. And he was right. Mm-hmm. You know, because like I said, hundred hours a week. Well, in the way that it worked for you, um, and how God just um, 9-11 happened, and then you had all these God and country people joining up in the military, and just um, the quality, I think, of the soldier after two thousand one was phenomenal. It was all these people joining who like really wanted to protect their country, and they yep. come running to the sound of the cannon fire, yep. and uh, your church filled up, and you were supported in no time. You we, know, self-supporting. We were. We were self-supporting within several months. Matter of fact, I sent a letter out to all the supporting churches saying, hey, you know, we've raised, we're doing good enough. We don't need your support anymore. And pastors were contacting me saying, no, you, 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 you're you, not aware of what's going on. And I wasn't, but we were self-supporting, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Praise yeah, the Lord. That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so um, tell, tell us about um, how the church, your, your son-in-law pastors that now, then you... You're uh, pastoring in Owensburg. Uh, Owensboro, yes, Burrow. about an hour and a half north. Yeah. So I was there for 18 years. If it was years. in Pennsylvania, it would be Owensburg. It would be. Yeah. So I was there for 18 years, and uh, through just a series of circumstances, which I'll not get, get into, you know, things were going very well at the church. Uh, we had uh, seven, I believe, families sent out from our church on the mission field. We had started two other churches, and... Um, uh, we it was just exciting times. Mm-hmm. My family was there. I had a beautiful house, mm-hmm. um, you know, a beautiful building, a wonderful people. And then a church reached out to me, and I told them, I said, you know, I'm not interested. I'm very happy where I am. And they asked me to pray, and I'm like, what can I say to that? I said, okay, mm-hmm. I'll pray. Mm-hmm. And so a pastor friend of mine, Dr. Rick Flanders, who's been on this podcast, mm-hmm. said, now, Brother Shaver, you can't pray if you're not surrendered. And I'm thinking, wow. why did he tell me that? <laughs> Uh-huh. You know, and so I I surrender, and after a month, I'm thinking, man, Lord, I'm I was 59 years old. You know, I'm thinking, is this really what you want? And so, you know, I went to my family. I have four children. They love the Lord, and I said, listen, I, I think God's getting ready to move me, and they were struggling with that. Sure. And then I had to tell the church, and the church really struggled with yeah, that. Yeah, like just in my mind too, um, Ken Shaver and Hopkinsville was synonymous. Yeah. Yeah, and I was, um, I thought, no way, yeah. he's leaving Hopkinsville. Yeah, I know. So, and I honestly thought I'd be buried there. Yeah, which I still may be, you know. But, <laughs> um, uh, and a lot of church members were mad that sure. I was leaving, which for me was a good thing. I'd yeah. rather they be mad that I'm leaving, yeah, than and have say, a party. Oh, thank God, <laughs> he's gone. He's yes. Gone. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, we, I mean, we had families; their babies were born there, and now they're going to Bible mm-hmm. college and. You know, growing up, serving the Lord, and it was exciting. Yeah. And then, then the Lord moved us an hour and a half north. Yeah. Uh, the, um, so we took the church, and shortly after we took the church, COVID hit. Yeah. 
But it was amazing, uh, Jack. We went, we were running 150 when we took that church mm-hmm. in Owensboro. Mm-hmm. And within three months, we were running 300. I tell people we doubled from one to two, but it was from 150 yeah. to 300. Yeah. And it was exciting. We were seeing adults saved and baptized almost every week. Just we, amazing. You were here Sunday. Yeah. Um, so we run between three and 400. Really? We always have over three. <laughs> we always have less <laughs> than 400. Under 400. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. And so um, so it was exciting. Uh-huh. Very, very, now, it's been a big, big different for me because I'm the new guy. Yeah. You know, in Hopkinsville, I was the guy. Everybody's coming to the church I was pastoring. Right. But here I'm coming to their church. Right. You, yeah, you're you know. a guest in their house. Yeah. And so then in addition to Con- that. Completely different dynamic when you're starting a church versus um, sure. you're the new guy sure. on the block. And you've got to walk much more gingerly. Yes. You know, you've got I, I would say with a military church too, it was like this. I mean, we would have finances for things. And uh, when I was the pastor, they all came in on my territory. So if I would have said, hey, folks, I want to build a 90 foot tower on top of the building, they say, sure, pastor, go ahead. Right. Like, just they figured too in the military church, they're only there for a couple of years, but you're going to be there permanently. Right. So who are they going right. to yeah, do what you want? Yeah, this was. You know, in some cases in the military, this wasn't their church. Right. You know, they were just basically passing through, mm-hmm. you know, and so the roots didn't go deep. Like and so, said. but you go to a church like uh, mine or like yours, I mean, the two and three people, generations. Yeah, they might be born in that church and they're yep. going to be buried in that church. Yep. And they've, they've been, you know. They've gone through the pastors. Yes. Sure. And they'll outlast you, buddy. Yep, that's right. Yeah. So, so it's been, it's been a process for us. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got some wonderful people in this church and God's doing some great things here. Yeah, but it is you know the mindset has been different and it's taken some getting used to. Yeah, and I'm very excited about what God's doing. So, what's some advice you would give to um, someone who's taken a church? Yeah, I would say planting? I would say a couple of things. Number one, this is poor terminology, I'm sure. Go on a listening tour. Mm-hmm. When you get there, go around and meet with every single family. Ask them what their concerns are. You know, be very interested and learn about them and who they are mm-hmm. and what their needs are. Mm-hmm. But go on a listening tour, I would say that. Number two, I would also say to go slow. Absolutely. You know, we didn't have any doctrinal issues at our church. There weren't any moral failures at our church. So I didn't have to come in and Mm -hmm. blow things up. And I'm Mm -hmm. not that kind of a guy anyway. Mm -hmm. But we had to uh, just go slow. Amen. And uh, although there were some who thought we weren't going slow enough. Sure. And I respect that. You know, Well, you you ever read... uh, Robert Greene's uh, Laws of Power, 48 I've, Laws of Power. I'm not. Uh, one of the things, one of the laws, you got to read that. I book. will. I'm going to write it down. you got to read that. Okay. It's awesome. You would love it. Okay. Uh, one of the laws is um, preach change, but don't change because people hate change. That's interesting. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? They um, do. They do. Uh, but, I, you know, but I would say, uh, to echo um, is that you, you are the guest in somebody else's house. Uh, and so when you come in, uh, like, and I would say initially, if you're candidating a church, be honest. You don't have to be, um, you don't have to be fight or flight about it, but just tell them exactly who you are. Right. Uh, don't lie. No, no, no. I agree with you hundred percent. And uh, just be transparent and honest. And, you know, I didn't, you know, I just told people that I like what you're doing here. I don't think I'm going to change anything. Amen. And, you know, and, I will say I read even the word. Don't use the word change. Yeah. Use the word improve. Yeah. You know, this is so good. We're going to try right. to improve on this rather than change it. Right. And that that helped, you know. Yeah. Also, reinterpret history Explain for your that. benefit. Explain that's, that. that's another one of the laws. Oh, okay. Don't use that. That's lying. <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> 
That's what the left does all the time. Yeah. <laughs> These are laws of power, so they're like brutally honest. But, yeah. but anyway, uh, but yeah, so I, I would say that you're the guest in someone else's house. It is dramatic change enough that they have a different pastor with a different personality preaching to them every Sunday. That is radical change. Uh, and, you know, what are some of the things you change when you come here? I, I'm not going to change anything for at least a year. Yeah, right. Because I don't even know, um, you know, I don't know the church family yet. Right. I got to get used to what's going on. It's like G.K. Chesterton's uh, law there: don't tear down a fence unless you realize what the fence was there for in the right. first place. Um, so That's don't go good. in there and start changing stuff. Uh, they might have done it a certain reason for uh, a certain way for a right. certain reason. Um, but yeah, I, and then I think another thing: if you're candidating a church, don't promise the moon. Either. No, right. Because they might get you voted in, but then, you know, um, a year or two down the road, they're going to say, where's this golden age that he promised sure. us? You know, so for us, when we went to Owensboro, my wife and I both, you know, the biggest thing was is, hey, you know, listen, we'll love people. We will love you. We will right. listen to you. You are important to us. And we've always tried that. And, you know, it's been interesting. We have people moving to our church. Yeah. I, I'm talking about from Iowa, from Ohio. Yeah. You know, they're moving there just for our church. They don't have a job. They're finding the church and then uh, get a job. And it's interesting. You know, I don't promote that. Like a cult leader or yeah, something. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't promote <laughs> that, but it's just been very yeah. interesting. Yeah. And, you know, but the other thing for us is we're seeing a lot of adults saved. And I'll yeah. go back to, I was there not very long, mm -hmm. and I'm in a Chinese restaurant. It was my grandson's birthday, and they were up visiting, so I went and picked up some Chinese food, and I'm standing next to this woman, and I asked my question. I said, so where are you from? And she said, well, I'm from here. She said, you're not from here. And I said, no, 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 I'm not from here. I'm new. And I thought I told her I pastored Greater mm -hmm. Vision Baptist Church, but she must not have heard me correctly. And she said, you know, that's funny. She said, we heard you got a new pastor there. She said, somebody invited me to your church. They said, your pastor was a good man. They said <laughs> he loved people and he was a great preacher. And I'm just standing there. And she said, looked at me and she said, well, what do you think? And I looked at her and I said, well, I think he's a moron. I said, but his wife's awesome. And <laughs> she went around and looked at me and then she said, you're the pastor, aren't you? I said, I am. And that was two years ago. Hey, they hey, hey, let, me pay, let me pay you a compliment. Um, so this was years ago um, when I went to Michigan and was working for dad. Um, and so I remember my mom telling me, because she asked my dad, she said, you know, what, what should I do, like, if you die? And he said, if I die, he says, you need to go move to Ken's church. Really? Now, now that uh, now that I'm a grown yeah, now that I'm a grown man, she tell me tell come out the jacks yeah, you know, Jack will take care of you. But I mean, I was a young, you know, at 25, 26. I you know I didn't have sure. nothing going on at the time. But that you know, so that's how highly my father thinks of you that's that he'd humbling. send his widow. Uh, yes. Ken will take care of you. Yes, and we would obviously, man. Yeah. I love your family. Yeah, your dad's yeah. been a great influence on my life. Yeah, so so there's a lot of people out there who know you and. Um, or who think they know me. They think they know, because you're very good on the surface. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> well, you, you don't know, get me, too close. Let me, let me go back, yeah. because um, COVID hit. Uh, okay. So door knocking, you know, basically yes. shut us down. Yeah. You know, people didn't want us to come to the no. door. But you're always looking for ways to make contacts. Uh -huh. And so I talked about that restaurant ministry, and I've had a lot of people. I, I shared this story with you. I was at, had a missionary. We went to IHOP, and I'm sitting there. And the waitress waited on us. You know, I always want to have a good relationship with the service. And uh, so we got done, and I stopped her, and I said, you have been so good to us. You've taken such good care of us. 
I said, I'm a Baptist pastor. What can I do to take care of you? And she looked at me and she said this. She said, I need to get saved. <laughs> now, I'm, I was 60 years old. I'd never heard that in my life. <laughs> no, no. You know, in a restaurant. And so come to find out, I talked to her and she got saved, baptized. We discipled her. Her fiance got saved. He's getting discipled right now, getting ready to get baptized. And um, uh, she, I talked to her and I said, what happened? She said the day before she'd been praying that God would send a pastor wow. her, to her to show her how to be saved. And I call that divine appointments. Yes. You and I and the people that are listening have divine appointments. God is sending people across your path. Mm -hmm. And we can say, well, you know, we can't do this because we're not door knocking. Wait a minute. God is still sending people across your path. And you, you also reached out to her. Oh, yeah. So that doesn't happen every time no. you ask somebody that question. No, it doesn't. Yeah. yeah. It yeah, sure. but that is an amazing story. It is amazing, and, and God's still at work. Amen. You know? Yeah. So yeah. We're, we're very grateful. we got a lot to do, you know, um, uh, at this new church. You know, we've added Sunday school classes. Our building's full. You know, we're we're probably running 225, 250. Yeah. I think they had 250 Sunday when I was here. Amen. And um, so the crowd's good. Yeah. The spirit's good. The finances have been good. We don't have any debt. Uh, the previous pastor was so good with the finances mm -hmm. there. He left them on very, blessing. very, very good footing. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we're trying to build on that. Amen. You know, just love people. What's uh, What's the vision for your church as a whole? So that's interesting. Um, I'm big on the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. I'm big on church planning. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would like to see us send some missionaries out. We just had two a 25-year-old woman surrendered to the mission field, and a 10-year-old boy surrendered to the mission field. And I'm always planting that seed about yeah. yielding your life to the Lord, whatever he wants. Right. Um, he will call you as we just have to be yielded. And so um, we're trying to do that. Mm -hmm. We're trying to build families. Uh, when I came there, there was really only about one baby in the nursery. Mm-hmm. And now we've got so many babies in the nursery. The mothers are coming to me and saying, you need to quit praying for this because we need to stop having babies. And You so, just uh, preach ma your messages on, against birth control, right? <laughs> no, that's not what I do. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, tell the folks what it means to have a multi-generational church. Okay, so for me... Um, Paul, my son-in-law, mm -hmm. took over the church. I recommended him as interim pastor. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was there for about three months, and they said, we want you to be our permanent pastor. And I just went back and preached at the church I founded. I'd been gone for two years, and I just preached their 20th anniversary. Mm -hmm. And there were families there that I had discipled. Mm -hmm. Continues on. Yeah. I'd baptized. Um, in the, there's no other foundation that can be laid, but yeah, Jesus it. Christ. And so even after I'm off the scene here, these folks are faithfully loving and serving the that's Lord. That's right. And that's exactly what you want. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And that's, you know, you would know that you're a good pastor. If like, let's say if I dropped out of a heart attack and the church was doing great and yep. I hear, yep. I mean, that, I want. actually, that means I did a good job. It has to be bigger than me. Yeah. I believe that. Yeah, we were, um, I shared this with you, and I was listening to a podcast. Uh, it's called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. It's put up by Christianity Today. Their conclusions on the podcast I don't agree with, uh, but they did a great job documenting the Mars Hill Church out in Seattle, Washington. Uh, it was built by a fellow, just a, a very charismatic guy, Mark Driscoll, and he had built the church up to 15,000. And uh, when he resigned from the church, uh, it just imploded. It was non-existent, and you think, um, 
what kind of foundation did those people have that the whole thing relied relied upon one man? Yeah, I don't want that. And as soon as he was out of the picture, it's gone. I believe that I will have failed as a pastor if that's the way it is. Yeah. I don't want the church to go backwards because I'm there. Obviously, I provide some leadership and some direction. Sure. But I want to reproduce Christ in those people. Right. You know and, what I mean? Yeah, and what, you know, one of the biggest answers to prayer that I ever had was um, when I turned over First Baptist Church of Black River and that uh, the the new pastor come, the congregation, everything would just keep on going strong, yep. and they're going strong up there. Yeah, um, and that's that's one of my greatest joys. Sure, me and too. I could walk back into that church, and uh, of course, since it's a military church, like no one would even know who I was. That's right, they'd give me a visitor card, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah. it was still going on. Yep. Yeah, Amen. It's still perpetuating. Sure. And I think also with multi multi generational church, um, you know, it would be a church that, like you know, in your case, your daughter grew up in that church, married a preacher, uh, your son in law, he took over, and then uh, kids who grew up in that church would continue. Now, um, some people go up and out, like you're right, talking sure. about. You have people that are called the mission field, or you know, God mo- does move them to other areas or other regions, or there's other windows of opportunity open other places. But you have like a good core of people, all different ages in right. that church. Yep. And that's just a staple for the gospel. You, you know, it's been exciting at this new church. We have gotten a lot younger. Um, started a, a young married couples class. You know, it's a lot of transition, but the young married couples class running about 30. Yeah. You know, right. And then uh, we started a college and career class, which we didn't have. And, you know, I teach that class. We run about 22 you know, so I'm why, so, why did you choose that class to teach? Because I believe that that's the future of our church, mm-hmm. and I'm really trying to establish. I I think uh, for me, Jack, one of the challenges is, and I was raised in a Christian home, and you mm-hmm. were raised in a Christian home. But one of the challenges is that it can't be mom and dad's Christianity. Right. This has to be you and your relationship mm-hmm. with Christ. And so I felt so burdened that I wanted to teach them how to have their own relationship with right. Christ. You're trying to plug that hole too, right? From, from the teen years yep. into young adults. Yeah, too many, a lot, too, if you too many read the leave. statistics, once they leave high school, they leave the church. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to do that. And, and we're seeing God doing some very special things. We're actually hosting, for anyone listening out there, Fourth um, of July weekend. A, it's called a New Journeys Conference for College and Career Age Young People. And um, Scott Pauley's going to be preaching it. Um, it's just going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And you'll see it on our church's website, uh, www.visitgrb, excuse me, visitgrvbc, Greater Vision Baptist Church.com. And um, uh, you'll see us promoting that um, because we are trying to help the young people mm-hmm. in their relationship with the Lord. Yeah, amen. You know? Yeah, what, a, what an important age group right there it is between 18 and 25 somewhere yep. right in there yep and uh sh- shaping their worldviews spreading their wings yep. and um yeah yeah and letting them know you know what you are gonna fail you are gonna fall flat on your face mm-hmm. we don't want that but when that time if that time comes we love you and we'll be there for you and we'll help you get back up and help dust you off and and walk you on the right help you walk on the right path yeah. amen amen Hey, well, let's wrap it up there, huh? All right, man. I appreciate it. Thanks you. for being on. Thank you for inviting me. Look forward me. to hearing you preach tonight. Amen. Now I know what you're preaching on. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can I'll, take a I'll break. Still, I'll still come. <laughs> okay. Yeah, all right. Okay. Great. Great. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Brother Shaver. We appreciate all you listening out there. God bless each and every one of you. 
Thank you so much for listening today to the Pastoral Thoughts Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you can, leave us a five-star rating on your podcast app. We'd appreciate that very much. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us by emailing us at pastoralthoughtsmail at gmail.com. And you can find out more about us at pastorjack.org. God bless you and have a wonderful day.